0: Welcome to the Gary Wilkson Podcast. So glad you're here with us today. We are going to be discussing a very important topic, one that's timely, one that will really be essential to your life, to your thriving, to your joy. We're with here, here with Pastor Tim Delina, pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. We're going to be talking about how to thrive and how to maintain your joy and peace and confidence in the midst of times of crisis. Uh, what do you do when you're thrown into a difficult situation and you want to maintain your testimony, your joy, and your life. So we're happy to have Tim Delaney. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Happy to have you here.
1: Great. It's great to be here, Gary. Thank yeah. you.
0: And we've known each other. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Tim and I have known each other since we were little kids. Uh, our, our dads knew each other. You wanna, why don't you start by telling us the story of our dads?
1: It's, it's always a joy because we get to tell this story every time we travel together we do, a, yeah. around the world. And um, what we tell people all the time is this, is that we're second generation. Our dads, when David Wilkerson came to New York City, those who have Listened, uh, watched, or read the cross on the switchblade. There was a moment where your dad is preaching on the streets of Brooklyn, New York, and where Nikki, the Mau Mau's, Nikki Cruz is out there, and a New York City policeman was trying to stop your dad from speaking. And then a New York City police captain comes up and says, What's going on? He says, He's trying to preach here without an American flag. And my dad, my dad simply said, let the man preach. Yeah. And that was my dad. And then from that point on, not only a relationship between those two, my dad becoming the first uh treasure of Teen Challenge, but we became friends. And so we're we're uh, really following in the in their footsteps.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's been and we've been friends for a while. We pastored together in Detroit and and uh now you're pastoring at Times Square Church. We'll talk about that here in a little just a little bit. But uh, you know, just a, a little sidebar comment as you were saying that your dad came up to my dad and said, you know. You know, as long as you have an you know um, or was it you have to have an American flag or yeah,
1: the one cop the one police oh, said, said you have to have an American, American flag. flag. Okay.
0: And now it'd probably be you can't have an American <laughs> That's flag. You're uh, so probably you right. You can't Gary. preach and you can't have an American <laughs> flag. So exactly you're breaking two right. laws. And thank God for faithful policemen like your father who loved Jesus and uh, raised you guys up and your family and the things of the Lord and, and, and
1: what was amazing, it was one of those moments where you just didn't violate in a sense the blue code. You didn't yeah. you didn't go against another police officer. Right. But when you're a Christian in that, you knew a higher law, yeah. and to see your dad preach the gospel, and the the fact of the matter is, I'm at Times Square Church today yeah. because my dad uh, was yeah. there seeing your dad, that's and right. and and when he said let the man preach, who knew that maybe 50 years later he was even speaking about yeah.
0: me. Yeah, that and that's the if you've read the Cross and Switchblade or seen the movie, that's the that's the event, the outdoor event where Nikki first heard the gospel and where he first heard the words, Jesus loves you, which haunted him for weeks to come. Finally, a few weeks later at a place called St. Nicholas arena uh, is where Nicky and his gang actually met Christ. So, uh, but yeah, so if that is the sovereignty of God and the timing of God is really phenomenal.
1: One of the, one of the joys Gary is um, over the years from the time we were in Detroit um, yourself and some of the others inspired me to build a library. And so over the years, some twenty thousand books that, mm. that God allowed me to to put together in a library, we're sending it up to our, our uh our Bible school, Summit International, yeah. that your dad started right. in Pennsylvania. And so we're going to put uh, the we're going to call it the Captain Paul Delina Memorial Library, oh, and the and wow. the uh, cornerstone is going to say "Let the Man Preach." Let the Man Preach. Oh, I love it. <laughs> That's good news, man. That,
0: yeah, I love it. Well, uh, yes. Yeah, so after Detroit, you stayed on a Detroit, Pastor, for a while. Then you went down to to Louisiana, and from there, um, you got a call from. So my dad founded Times Square Church. Then Pastor Carter Conlin uh, became the pastor for like a decade or so, and then. um, so there was a transition that uh, Pastor Carter was feeling like some uh, things were changing. Uh, he told me a story uh, about like even long before he'd ever invited you to come take over, that very large church, very influential church, uh, 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 global really in its reach. And we'll talk more about that as well. Uh, but so tell me a little bit about the story of when he first started hinting. Was it a hint or was he no, sort sure of like a no newer d- There was no hint. Okay, yeah, so tell, it, tell us so-
1: Gary, I, I, you know, and it's always in these moments. I'm so grateful for you and Kelly and even your uh, faith in me because I'm, I'm in ministry today because of you guys inviting me after a two-month missions trip to go with you and Kelly to Detroit and say, would you stay on? And so when I was in Detroit, um, I ended up staying there for 30 years. So we were really 27. We We not only started Church in the City together— but then we started another church in a triple x movie theater and we were there for 20 years pastoring in this in this former triple x movie theater when one side was a was a um, prostitution hotel the other side was um, uh, a, a, a strip club owned by a hustler and then across the street was worldwide pornographic videos and so we bought the flagship theater and then almost 30 years in detroit 20 years at this church we get a call that we were to go to Brooklyn. And so Jim Cimbala asked us to come, come aboard and help him at Brooklyn Tabernacle. So we just get to New York. Um, and I call, the first person I called after my wife was your dad, just to go, do you think this is right? He goes, God has prepared you for this moment. So I remember talking to your dad going, then we went to Brooklyn. I was there one week and I reached out to Carter and we, and we've known each other at that point for probably 15 years. So he was welcoming to the city. We were talking about bringing the choirs together, maybe Madison Square Garden. And Carter tells me, this is the story he told me. He said, while we were sitting at the steakhouse, it was called Gallagher's on 52nd. He said, he said Tim, you kind of blurred on me. And he said, I, I heard the voice of the Lord. And he said two things to me. And Carter kind of looked at me and he says, I think I have a word of the Lord for you. And I was just saying, hey, I'm happy to be, I'm only here a week. And he goes, I can only tell you part one. So, and he's never done this, Gary, in our fifteen years. So he says to me, this. He said, um, the next two years are going to be the hardest years of your ministry, and it's not really the word that you want to hear. And the honest truth is, I was pretty dismissive of. it. I was going sure, whatever, and After it sort of interrupting you, but after having worked with Gary Wilkerson
0: to have somebody (laughs) say, this is the hardest two years. You're going to go like, you have no idea. You have no (laughs)
1: idea. Um, And so when we get there, it was, um, and it was no fault of any person. It was God deepening a work in us. Uh, We love the symbols. we love Brooklyn tab, but there was a deepening work that God needed to do. And, and I always told Carter Conlon, I said, you really didn't tell me the truth. It wasn't two; it was five. And so, and but there was a work that God needed to do in us there. And He says, "But I can't tell you the second word." And 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 honestly, I really didn't want to hear the second word if it was if it was like the first one.
0: That's the good part. We don't want the hear the good. bad news now.
1: <laughs> and then, almost, I would say it was close. That was in 2010. Almost nine years later, Carter tells me, "says It's time for me to give you the second word." And, and what was amazing was, is we sat in the same restaurant and the, the waitress after nine years sits us at the same table. And there was nobody in the restaurant, Gary, we were the first ones there. And he says, it's time for me to give you the second word. And I looked at him and said, if, if this is bad, I said, I'm leaving right now. And he looked at me and he said, he said, God spoke to me. And he says, that man is your replacement. And he said, I don't know how it can come. I don't know how it can happen, uh, is what Carter was was really kind of conversing with God. And he just goes, "I what I did with that was, is I went back home that day, told my wife and two elders and said, judge this word in 2010 to see if this is going to but, but Tim Dillene is not meant to be at Brooklyn Tab. He's meant to come here, be my successor. And then, and that's what he told me nine years later, um, and it was, it, and it was right because there was, and he told me this, he said, I couldn't tell you the second part because it could have been very, it could have, it wouldn't have been profitable for you or for us to know that.
0: Yeah. So it, uh, it, it, as I introduced the theme here today, sort of maintaining your joy and peace and confidence in the midst of a difficult time. So you had that five year period and it turned out to be the, mo- the most difficult, but yet, you know, some of those are the most profitable times for our soul too. So that's, that's probably one of the things we could say to those listening is when you're going through a hard time, there's, there's a lot of profit to be gained in in those hours. And there
1: is, and probably the thing Gary that brought me through those difficult times. I was, I was reading through the book of Acts and I, and I have a Bible here that when you're reading the new Testament and, and you come across, for example, here in the old, in the, in the new Testament, a passage and all the letters are in capitals it's referring you back to the Old Testament. It just, it was, it's just a little gimmick that it just has in here. It just reminds me, hey, they're quoting this.
0: What's it called? Sorry, I just got uh, it, was,
1: it was just a, from Thomas Nelson. It's a New American Standard Bible. And okay. it just, it's just one of the things that they do in their New American Standards. So I'm reading the very first prayer. And this is what got me through these five years. It, it, when you said like going through, getting joy in the midst of this, I'm reading Acts 4 um, and the church has just been persecuted. They they they've been uh, thrown into prison. In fact, it says all the apostles were thrown into prison. Um, they come out and rejoice in that they were persecuted. And it's the very first prayer we have of the early church when you read Acts four. And when you're reading it, I started to notice that all the letters were in capital letters. I'm going. Their prayer is from the Old Testament. So I started. To, then I went back to it. And they were, and they were reading from the Book of Psalms. They were, they were quoting. Um, Psalms, and it was was Psalms 2 they were quoting, though the heathens rage and God will laugh in heaven. And I'm reading that prayer and I'm going, wow. So they're praying Psalms in their worst time. And then it dawned on me, and there's Jesus on the cross quoting three different Psalms, that in his hardest time, he's praying the Psalms from the cross. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Psalm 22. And he's starting to pray that. And then it really, like a sledgehammer, Gary, hit me the worst place and the most psalms, seven different psalms prayed, was in the worst condition you can ever be—the belly of the whale. That in Jonah chapter two, Jonah prays, and you see seven different locations of the psalms. And all I realized at that point was, for for almost five years, I read the psalms. Almost the Billy, there was the Billy Graham uh, plan, which you read five psalms a day and get through it. Probably three to five. Well, 12 times a year, almost three to four years, I did that and went through the psalm probably close to 40 to 50 times. Mm-hmm. But God, I said, if he can take you through the cross, he can take you through persecution, and he can take you through the belly of a great fish, mm-hmm. I think he can take me through my season. Yeah, and it was yeah. praying the psalms.
0: Yeah, I love that. The psalms are challenging and encouraging all at the same time. You know, it's, it's, it's spontaneous, uh, you know, because what you're going through in hard times is exactly what, you know, what the Psalms are about. David's cry hes constantly, you know, if you're not careful, you'd almost think he's schizophrenic, you know, because he's saying, you know, Lord, why have you abandoned me? Do you hate me? Have I gone too far into my sin that you, you've rejected me forever? But I know you love me and I'm so grateful for all the good things you've done for me. But my enemies are overwhelming. And it's like, okay, man, my head is spinning <laughs> over this. It's a, it's a little bit of a hard book to to preach expository uh sermons from because it, it just moves so so rapidly and that's why i can see but you can see like you say in the new testament they're pulling things out so so yeah i say point one of this podcast is when you're going through a hard time or when trials hit you to pray and pray maybe look at the psalms as well look at you know? the
1: psalms and i i literally if i were to show you my phone i have probably 60 or 70 psalms in there that i would pray over every day and it was as if a burden was being lifted. And it was it was because I think sometimes what it, what it did for me, Gary, where I, I couldn't formulate the words to pray. I needed help, and God goes, "I've given you the help. Just pray pray those and that's what I did.
0: so that was a hard time then then uh, uh, then you came out of that, but uh, sort of moved into another hard time. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you got invited then to to uh, take the lead role uh, at, at Times Square Church, and uh, that was an, an interesting time in our country and in your, in, our, in your city and in our life. So uh, let's, let's, look, let's look into that a little bit. What, what was happening there at that time?
1: Well, you and me and Nikki Cruz were coming back from Budapest, and there was this talk that there is a virus that, and no one talked about global pandemic, any of those things.
0: And at this time, you knew you were eventually going to be uh, taking the, the, yes. the pastoral role at Times Square Church.
1: Yes, and, yeah. that's, and literally the week before we go to Budapest is when we announce it. Um, and then I'm supposed to go to New York City two months later, so May, May 5th. And so when we get back from Budapest, I, I lost um, from traveling through Atlanta, Amsterdam, and through uh, Paris for, to get there on those flights. And speaking to all those pastors, me, you, and Nikki, I come back and I was having trouble breathing I, and I lost my taste. And and at that time, no one really knew any symptoms. So my doctor said, it's probably just your allergies, (laughs) (laughs) not realizing. They
0: didn't didn't have it uh, codified
1: at that point to know what it was. And it was probably not long after that that the world shut down. Times Square Church then began to shut down uh, right around March. And I'll never forget. Um, I was supposed to be there at the at the very uh, end of April, beginning of May is when I was supposed to go there. And I remember the words of of Pastor Carter Conlon. He said this. He said, "He said Tim, why don't you just wait until we reopen?" He said, "You don't want to come here, you know, with the church shut down." He said, "Who knows? Maybe a couple more weeks or a couple more months." And and this is I remember telling Pastor Carter. I said, "I don't know if you saw the movie Gladiator." I said, "But that opening scene." After Russell Crowe wins this excruciating battle, I said, the son of the emperor, Commodus, comes in with this white, with this white uniform. And all of a sudden he asks his father, he says, Did I miss the battle? And his father goes, You missed the war. And I I said, I said, Carter, I said, I have to be there. I said, from from the very beginning of this. If you miss the battle, you miss the war. That's huh? exactly yeah. right. And I, and so I said, if I we come out of this and I come in on a white uniform, I said, I don't know what they've went through. And then when we got, when we got there, we didn't realize we were going to be shut down for 18 months in, in New York City. Uh, so, and not only Gary would, would you be getting inheriting a church, but it also inherited a global pandemic. Then we had um all the racial unrest that was taking place around the country and riots all over New York City from our block on Broadway in 51st. Every window of every store was, blo- was, was broken out. There was sometimes I came out of a Sunday recording, a live, recor- uh, a live service, and then a recording on a Sunday, walked out into a thousand person protest oh. right outside the doors of the church. Yeah. And so having to get back to an apartment and then, and then on top of that, then you had a volatile election that would begin to take place. And so all of those things put together and that's when God goes, it's time to take the church.
0: Yeah, man, and so right in the middle, you're thrown right in the middle of the battle, which was a war, and uh, it was. Uh, you mentioned psalms and prayer for that five-year time period. What what helped maintain? Like, you didn't you didn't come in and say like, Lord, why did you call me here, or uh, why this timing, or or did was it more like this is good? Something gonna, good's going to happen from this. You know,
1: that's a great question, Gary, because. Because even added to that, my children were finishing school. We didn't sell our house yet. So I was even commuting for eight months. I would go through the airports and there would be in LaGuardia, JFK, two people in line at TSA. It it, would, it was a ghost town um, is when I came to New York City. S- streets were empty. And there was a passage that helped me. It 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 it, it was in Jeremiah chapter 16, around verse 14, and, and it was one of the hardest times they're in Cap- Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah is the prophet. And Gary, he says this, he says this to the children of Israel. He said, you've been telling a thousand year story. Um, he says, but I'm going to ask you not to tell the story anymore. He says, you've been telling about the deliverance of Egypt. Um, and so you had the Moseses and the Joshua's and how to get out. He says, don't tell that story anymore. And then he says this, he says the next story you're going to tell is how you've been delivered from the North, which was Babylon. And, and I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, you're going to be telling a new story. You're going to be telling a new story of what I've done. He said, we're so thankful for the legacy that your father, and not only coming to New York to start Teen Challenge, but also Times Square Church to to come at a time on Broadway when half of the theaters are shut down, when 8th Avenue was all full of pornographic theaters, um, all those things. I I remember being when when your dad started at the Nederlander, you were there. And um, I remember, this is how bad New York was. When you guys were on 41st, they were giving the offering announcements. I heard it with my own ears. And it was your Uncle Don goes, thank you for coming. We're going to take our offering. Oh, we have one announcement. You know, and many of us grew up in a church going, your lights are on. Your Uncle Don said, if you own a white BMW, they're taking the tires from your car right now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and really the New York of that, of the 80s is really back. This is the New York we grew up in. And the homelessness and the pandemic has just so hurt it. But this is where God really spoke to me and said, I'm going to write a new story. That people aren't going to be baptized simply in a, in a baptistry. They're going to be baptized in lakes. They're going to be baptized mm. in showers and bathtubs. And for mm. 18 months, we we dedicated so many children online. We, we mm. would do baptismal services virtual from all over the world. People are being baptized while the worship is going on in ponds, alleys of the Bronx, ponds, in New Jersey and lakes in Manila. Mm. And we saw God begin to start writing a new story saying, I'm going to do something different. So you don't have to tell those. We're excited what we did through Moses and Joshua. But if you remember the deliverance story of the North, God goes, I'm going to bring up new characters. You're going to see the Ezra's and the Nehemiah's. I'm going to use women. You're going to see a story about a girl named Esther. I'll take three Hebrew children and I'm going to show you how they can get through a fire and Daniel, how a young man comes in and outlives four prime and becomes a prime minister, outlives four Kings and how you can do all this. And God goes, look for the Daniel's, the Meshach, Shadrach, the Ezra's, the Nehemiah's and the Esther's. Cause I'm going to write a brand new script. Yeah.
0: And that's right in the midst of all that turmoil going on as you, as you described New York, Reverting back to its days of trash on the streets and prostitution, and uh, you know people selling drugs left and right everywhere you walk. And then yeah, add on top of that, which we didn't really have in the '80s, was the 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 rioting and the protests, and uh, and of course the t- on top of that, COVID. So you have layer upon layer upon layer of uh, trauma and difficulty, trials, and then your people, you know, they're online, which helps, but they're not able to sort of rub shoulders with other believers in in, in a Categorically So they come back to the church. Uh, you, you opened again not too long ago. Um, what do you feel in the midst of? So you got racism. You got uh, problems with poverty and crime. Crime is on the uptick. Murders in the city. Cities like that Chicago and New York and others. What do you feel? Uh, do you do you, in the middle of that? Do you just sort of not just, but you just go like, oh, this Sunday I think I want to preach on you know uh, on faith or the. Or do you feel like this This is a time to tackle certain issues or where, where are you going just as a pastor in your messaging?
1: Well, I mean, there's so much. There, if you spent the time of studying out each of those things from, I remember we had to go live uh, uh, with a message after the Capitol was, the building was coming. I mean, it's like everything was like New York was on edge on the results of the election. Like, We, we had to board up probably two to three times. We had to board up our church windows because you just didn't know what was going to happen and how volatile the city has been. Um, and you don't know what could take place, A uh, a riot or, or something could take, could happen there. And here's what we have felt, um, as we're, as you're facing with all of these things from, from what took place with the police departments to, to the, the injustices, all of those things, um, there was a there was an old preacher from Australia who who's, who said it like this he says if you want to show how how, cro- how crooked a stick is lay down a straight stick just put down a instead of yelling at the crooked sticks put down a straight stick and that's what we have felt to do we said let's take the position that we're going to lay down every week a straight stick and say this is what God has called us to Instead of preaching against those things, and I'm not saying that there's never a time to do that, but I think our time that we needed to do was to stay with the straight stick.
0: Would that be like, uh, so let's take the issue of racism, for instance, would that be instead of saying like, here's the statistics on racism and here's why we're racist and here's how to avoid racism. Instead, you just say, here's what love looks like, or here's how to live at peace with each other or um, how would you tackle issues like that? that? Which, which,
1: Gary, which is a great point. So this is what Paul says in Romans. He's And, and it's funny. The, it's going to start with those capital letters. He's going to go back to Exodus. He says, for you heard, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit a mur- murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. Um, and if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to its neighbor. So my, my choice is this. Do I say, don't be a racist, don't, don't, uh, don't treat people with inequality, don't, you know, well, treat, don't treat, uh, live with inequality. I can preach on all the don'ts, but here Paul says, the best thing to do is to say, love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, here's what's amazing. He says, you'll take care of adultery, murder, covetousness, and stealing if you put down the right stick. Because love, and then that next verse in Romans thirteen says, "Love does no wrong to a neighbor." So if you're speaking about all the wrongs that are done, but you're not giving people that thirty thousand foot view that says, "Love your neighbor," and what you know, I remember um, Cindy and I uh, have been avid tennis fans and tennis players, and so I remember taking a lesson from um, someone who was on tour, and th- and they gave me this tr- this this kind of uh, tweak on a backhand. And they said, if you turn your shoulder, if you, sh- if you show your shoulder blade to the ball coming, they said that turn will correct four different things. That instead of trying to correct the four, where your arm is, where your head is, where your feet are, it was like, if you get the shoulder turn, four of the things get corrected. And I think what he's saying is here is this, yeah. you get the love your neighbor right, four things are corrected. So do you do a series on don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery, or do you do a series on love your neighbor
0: yeah, that's profound man that yeah that uh that shows the sufficiency of the gospel that's the right. f- sufficiency of scripture that that is all contained there yeah otherwise you you know you alluded to the fact that to take every issue crime or family um, life and you know we can preach on those things as you said, but you know as, as we preach, we want to um, you know have a, a working knowledge of the situation we're talking about, so you would have to spend. You know, days and days studying every issue that comes up. Uh, you know, be political or social or uh, relational, family, financial. Uh, you know, and, and uh, the expectation is almost to be a therapist and a psychologist and a, a, a money counselor. And you know, and it's just you know, we're not. We're we're pastors. And I I, I I know your people appreciate that. I know they're coming. And you had an amazing opening. I saw uh, some of the video of uh, of your opening. That's just been now it'd be a couple months ago uh, when this is aired here and so it's uh, uh how do you feel it's going now
1: um, yeah because you and Gary you still and you know this you face because of where we face even um political there's a there's a divide in the church today whether it's on vaccines or on candidates there there's a there's huge controversies so so do you do you tackle candidacies, do you tackle all of these things? Here's all I know, straight stick that that we know. For example, First Timothy two says this. First of all, I urge you for entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving, we may you to have behalf on all men, for kings and all of those in authority, that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness, because this is good and acceptable to God. So I know this, that do you use a pulpit to go, don't vote, do this, this is what you're or do you go, whoever's in authority, we are to pray for those people. And even when you get even to Peter's um, epistles, he's asking you to submit to authority. And at that time, it's Nero. It's, it's one of the worst persecutors of the church. So to take, like you said, those answers are there. So when we do the reopening and we keep everything at the straight stick, that instead of instead of being driven by what is the headline of the day? We we're, we're driven by what the Word of God says, and so the Word of God. And what's amazing is, like you said, the Word of God really does give those answers for us, and that's what we, that's what we've done. So since we opened September twelfth, and we chose it, um, one is because New York was really it was it was, and we didn't even mention this on on during the. Uh, the The taking of Times Square Church, it was also the epicenter of the of the pandemic in the u s more deaths and when when I got there, we were close to thirty four thousand deaths when I got there. So we opened up later. We opened up when Broadway opened up um which was the was the first the second week of september and Gary, it has been incredible what we've seen God do, and we feel like and our our goal was this that we have Really told the church, we were, we were so happy to open up the doors, but our goal wasn't just simply to open up 51st and Broadway. Our goal was to open up doors around the world digitally and through technology. Yeah, and he did that. That's uh, The
0: reach has been phenomenal. It's been in fun, phenomenal. Well, uh, you're going to be back with us on the next episode. We're really glad to have you, have you share your heart on uh, uh, making it through dif- difficult times. And you've done it with a stellar attitude and heart and fruitfulness out of bearing fruit in season and out. So this was kind of an out season, but we've been able to continue to bear fruit. So thanks for being with us today. And join us next week, is, uh, next episode as Tim joins us again. And we're going to kind of continue this, this, what we're talking about here today. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. You bet.
1: The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.